everyone, and welcome to episode 273 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Saffron Olive, and we have the full crew here this week, starting off with the owner of Goldfish, Richard. How's it going today, Richard? Doing well, doing well. Ah, yes, uh, we got a lot to talk about, but before we do, we have another co-host in Crim. What's up, Crim? Morning, Seth. Uh, Lots to talk about with a week of, like, what, magic with Aquaria now? Like, out and about in a on the arena and stuff? Yeah, and that's actually one of our big topics for today. So our cast today, we don't have spoilers this week. That was the last couple of weeks. We're going to be talking about what's going on in Constructed Magic, along with, uh, first, some Commander changes. There was a Commander BNR today. So basically, Commander BNR, Ikoria in Constructed, and then we have tons of fish mail, because uh, we hadn't got to too many last week. So lots of fish mail questions to answer at the end of the cast. So that is the plan for today. Before we jump into it, a reminder that our show today is once again brought to you by Spikes Academy, and Spikes Academy recently launched a new control course with Corey Burkhart. So if you like making your opponent's life miserable with counter spells and card advantage, this is a perfect course for you. You can check it out now at spikesacademy.com and learn from the best players in the world. So thank you so much to Spikes Academy for supporting the show, and let's talk some magic. Let's uh, let's start off with Commander, actually. We just got today a Commander BNR announcement. Richard, what is changing in Commander? All right. Rules Committee released an update. Flash is finally banned. So Flash Hulk. So not the mechanic, but the card Flash (laughs) is banned. What do you think of this change? So this has been, uh, if you are just catching up on this, this has been a really hot button topic in the Commander community for like a couple of months because Flash is a weird card. It is incredibly broken in competitive EDH games where your goal is to uh, just win as quickly as possible, as consistently as possible, but it's not really heavily played or even played that much at all in more casual games. So there's this big like CEDH versus casual EDH kind of battle going on, and for a long time it looked like they wouldn't ban it because they didn't want to uh, make a power level based banning, uh, especially for a relatively small segment of the commander community, but then they backtracked and end up banning it. What do you think of this ban and uh, kind of the philosophy of it? Yeah, I, 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 I mean, <laughs> it sounds, well, I guess like for me, I, I was just surprised that I it took this long because I mean, I, I played Flash Hulk once myself. Like I was like, okay, this is broken. And then I was like, okay, well, what if I change it from like, Flash Hulk to just like, I don't know, end of turn, really dumb, I don't know, vanilla creature. And it was still like, I, I thought it was still pretty broken. I don't know. I, 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 I was just surprised that it took this long to get banned. I think for me, the interesting thing is the Commander Rules Committee is really big on not banning cards for power level. They, they tend to ban them for like fun reasons is what their, their main goal has been. So if you read the actual announcement, they said multiple times that like, this is not precedent setting. This is an extraordinary thing. We're unlikely to ever do this again, but it kind of makes me wonder a little bit if the dam is broken. Like, if they're going to start banning stuff for power level, like, what about Thassa's Oracle? Which, I played a CDH game recently, and, like, every deck in the format wins with Thassa's Oracle. They all have different plans to get there, but basically every deck does that, or, like, I don't know, Soul Ring, or, like, I don't know. I uh, That's my concern, <laughs> I guess, is, like... Uh, even though they're saying this isn't precedent setting and don't expect this to happen again, yeah, they did also just do it and set a yeah, precedent no matter what they say. <laughs> yeah. 
precedent is you can't just do something and say it didn't happen, right? Like precedent is precedent. Like I'm just gonna go to limb here. So uh, you know how standard like we have bannings like all the time, and at some point Wizards decided to flip the switch and say, okay, R and D go nuts. We're gonna go crazy with bannings, so we'll keep you guys in check. And then we've had standard bannings like since forever, and maybe some more in the future, which we'll talk about. Now that they've banned something due to power level, why does one card get the axe but not another card, right? Like, so the minute you ban Flash, the next best deck will show up. And the problem is, like, you keep doing this until your format is balanced. The majority of the player base doesn't care about this, right? Like, there's the split between competitive EDH and EDH. Uh, they play by kind of different rule sets, right? But you're trying to shoehorn the ban list for both. Like, if there's a for fun card that's banned, that's not allowed in competitive EDH, you're like, why are you banning it? Or vice versa, like, if Thassa's Oracle is ruining competitive EDH, but most players want to just look at four cards and choose one or something, like, I, I don't know, like, they gotta actually split the formats or just leave them untouched? Because once Flash is gone, like, whatever reasoning they use for Flash can be applied to the next broken card. And uh, with Commander being, like, having so many cards, something will be broken. Like, if your philosophy for playing Commander is, I'm gonna try to combo off and win as quickly as possible, you you have a huge card pool to be able to do that with something, even if Flash isn't in the format. But sorry, Krim, uh, go ahead. Well, no, no, no. I, it was, it's, yeah, it's just, like, I think that no matter what, like, the, like you had mentioned, the card pool for EDH, as you said, it's just, like, it's huge. So something, something else is about to happen, and it's gonna probably be also just as broken. I kind of wonder if splitting it would be the right thing to do. Uh, like, just having, like, have a, let CDH be its own thing and have its own rules committee or however they want to do it. Like, a 1v1 does. 1v1 commander has its own kind of sanctioning body that sets its own ban list. Uh, because we haven't had great experiences. The other thing this reminds me of is when they tried to put 1v1 commander on Modo and have the same ban list, and it was really awkward because they kept needing to, like, ban cards that were, like, clearly fine in multi multiplayer like Baral was a good example, like needed to be banned in 1v1 because it was absolutely dominant, but in multiplayer, Brawl isn't really anything. Like it's a perfectly fine card to play in your Spellslinger deck or whatever. So I don't, I tend to lean on that side of things too, that maybe it would be better if they just had two separate ban lists and the formats were a little bit more split off in that sense. But I mean, so like, what is, isn't that, isn't that going to get a little difficult to, like, figure out, like, how to determine what's a CDH deck? Like, is there, like, a set of cards that you can't play, or or what? I kind of feel like the C... Like, so my argument would be that the CDH community, like, puts a C in front of EDH whenever they make content or play a game or, like, whatever. So, like, it's already differentiated. Like, if you're putting the C in front of your YouTube video, then you're obviously playing <laughs> competitively. I think it's power level. It's like the same, like, when you sit down at a table with random people, you're like, what kind of deck are you bringing? Like, if everyone has a competitive deck, you're not going to bring your, like, jank deck. Uh, so if everyone's playing with the quote-unquote competitive deck, you play by the competitive rules, which have whatever ban, ban list. But yeah, it is a bit confusing, but just call it something else. <laughs> Don't call it competitive EDH. Make a new name for it and make it its own format, or the other way around, make, like, Commander its own format and have a separate name but just trying to trying to merge these two things like I, I don't know right if one group is focused on having fun like and one group is focused on winning like how do you ever have a ban list where both are happy 
Like, should we ban Armageddon or something because it's an unfun <laughs> card? Like, I don't know, right? Like, it's it's weird, right? But if you have really strict rules, like, hey, there's this team of play testers. We are trying to make the most balanced, competitive format. And, you know, there should be at least, like, five or six viable archetypes, right? You can actually ban according to those rules as opposed to, you know, whatever most recent Reddit thread has the most outrage and we feel compelled to act to look like we're doing something, you know? Like, there's, like, no rhyme or reason. Like, why Flash Hulk today, right? Like, it's been around forever. Nothing has really changed. Like, why was it just put into motion now? So, I, I don't know. It's it's weird, right? There's There seems to be no rhyme or reason to this. Yeah, it is, it is definitely a strange decision, especially since it seemed like the rules committee was pretty anti- banning flash up until like pretty recently like a couple of weeks ago just from conversations on like social media and stuff like that it seems like they came very much on the other side uh uh, that they didn't want to ban this card that was fine for the most part for casual play and to cater to the small segment of the community but kind of interesting that they did decide to change that so i guess we'll see what happens i mean i do think it's true that they're not planning on making these kind of bannings uh often but you also can't, like, do something and then say, oh, this doesn't set a precedent, because that's, like, just not how precedents work. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do wonder what is the next thing to to step up. Like, what is the the most likely next candidate for, like, a potential banning after this now with Flash gone? I would say Demonic Consultation, or I think that's another card that fits the Flash mold, where I never see people play it in casual decks, but it is in every like competitive deck or one of the best cards in competitive decks. And it probably will be the best combo in the format with uh, Flash Hulk gone, just because that plus Thassa's Oracle is a really hard to interact with, really cheap potential like turn one win depending on how many mana rocks you have like that that is see demonic consultation that's one of those cards where i just haven't even like seen it like no one's ever played it so i guess i don't know how that how broken that card is but then Uh, i played it in boss's oracle that yeah yeah. oracle would cut out a lot of uh, a lot of those combos like i but you could i kind of argue that not long ago on Twitter that maybe you just banned Oracle and then because yeah. Flash Hulk was around for a long time but it became like super busted with Oracle that would also get rid of the demonic consultation combos and all the other ways of people exiling their entire deck to win on like turn one or turn two with Thassa's Oracle if you just got rid of Oracle itself yeah <laughs> which is which is weird I don't know like the idea of Oracle being that broken but there's so many efficient ways to just go through your whole deck I think that's like a perfect yeah. example of the split though because I think my experience with Thassa's Oracle outside of the couple of, like, random CDH games i played recently is that it's pretty fine. Like, when we play it on Commander Clash at the power level we play, it's just, like, a, it, it's a fine card. Like, it's a fine win condition. It's not that much different than Laboratory Maniac or whatever. So I feel like it's one of those cards that, in casual play, I wouldn't think it would need to be banned. But if you are trying to win as quickly as possible, and that's, like, your philosophy for playing Commander, then it becomes incredibly busted, because there are a lot of cheap ways to just, like, exile your entire deck really fast. Oh, yeah. So, related to this topic, how much longer do you think Wizards will let the Rules Committee control Commander? Like, do you think the people at Wizards agrees, or they agree with this Flash ban? Uh, like, how are they even making these bans? Like, do they get insider knowledge from Wizards about what they want for the upcoming format and what new cards are printed? Like, how can this be a separate entity 
from the corporation controlling the actual game. I don't know if it is a separate entity. Like, it kind of is, but the more I, like, just hear the rules committee talking, like, they tend to usually have someone from the rules committee on the set design uh, at Wizards when they're making a new set. They talked about it a lot with Lutri, like, knowing six months ahead of time when they were designing it and thinking about having the Singleton restriction, the rules committee was informed and gave feedback on it and decided to pre-ban it. So I think but that they were informed and gave feedback and they're still an external entity right it's not the same as like any minute they can just fire off an email tomorrow or something and like get an answer as if you were an internal employee at wizards right that's that's true but i think it's closer than i don't know we are to wizards let's say like i think they would have an easier time getting yeah. information <laughs> faster and easier than like uh, i didn't know lutri was going to be a card but the commander rule committee did so i think they're closer than the average content creator or average magic group but that's true they aren't actually internal i don't know i think maybe it seems like wizards can get their way if they want to another example of this was like allowing silver border cards which to me always felt like something that Wizards kind of dictated and the Rules Committee went along with because it seemed pretty silly. From the from the from my perspective, it seemed pretty silly to, like, allow them for a few months, and it was something that Wizards apparently really wanted to sell the set or whatever. So, I don't know. I feel like maybe Wizards is the hand, the invisible hand that guides the Rules Committee to some extent, <laughs> and if Wizards did say, like, hey, you're going to ban Flash, Flash is going to get banned regardless of what the Rules Committee thinks? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I feel they're going to take it at some point because I feel like, I don't know, like either they're not going to do enough or they're going to do too much, the existing rules committee, right? Like these are not full-time employees. Their job is not to, I don't know, understand the intricacies. Like we're, we're going to talk about kind of play design and R&D in a few minutes, but like these are not the same people, right? And at some point you're going to have to bring in the experts when Commander is like 50% of your magic sales. Like, are you going to trust your company to this ragtag community group that you put together? Or are you going to have to kind of sternly move them in the direction you want? But yeah. Yeah, I mean, I could see them just just taking it over, but I don't know. But they got to do it tactfully. Like they got <laughs> they can't they can't upset the community, right? They got to do it from behind the scenes and buy out every single member or something. The the command <laughs> yeah, like a coup, a silent coup. <laughs> <laughs> They just yeah, they just have to like smother people in their sleep and all this stuff like some spy, <laughs> some spy movie. Flash. <laughs> all of that. <laughs> no, they, they probably they probably like hire players to join the EDH groups of the rules committee and just play Flash Hulk every game <laughs> until they all come back and like oh I got destroyed by Flash Hulk again like what spiking happened? a card. <laughs> Uh, all right, should should we move on and talk about other <laughs> other broken cards? Maybe cards that are just as broken as Flash, honestly. Uh, Probably more broken. <laughs> perhaps, perhaps more broken. So Ikori is out. It is officially out in digital. It's seeing lots of play in standard, in other formats. We're still waiting for paper, of course, a few more weeks. But uh, the last few days... There's been a lot of conversation specifically about the companion mechanic uh, and how that has been playing out over the first week-ish, a few days of Ikoria being legal and constructed. So, uh, uh, what do you? What's going on with companions and the conversation around companions? And what do you guys think about this uh, companion mechanic? Well, so it's shown up in every single format. Yeah, right? from 
Legacy, which it like literally broke Magic Online and they actually canceled <laughs> the league and refunded people. Uh, of course, the Kibler refund where you're like 3 0 and they just give you your entry fee back. No, they gave you packs. Uh, they gave you packs. I think you oh, got they a couple packs You afterwards. got a couple packs okay. too. Yeah. But. <laughs> Uh, to, I don't know, some of my friends were complaining in, like, Legacy and Pioneer about companions. The standard results for the challenge are out, and most of the decks are companion decks. Uh, so, apparently, the deck-building restriction is not that great, and people can just shove companions into basically existing decks and uh, do very well with them. Uh, I think it's also that the the payoff is high enough. Like, the decks have had to change a little bit. Like, we've seen Sacrifice decks, Cut Mayhem Devil, in play all, like, two-mana stuff, Slain of Lures or whatever. But the payoff of having an extra card in hand, uh, people are quickly realizing, helps make up for a lot of the cards you have to cut in a lot of cases. Especially, I guess, you know, from the way things are looking, like, Seth, you, you might have called it Yorion being as popular. <laughs> Right? I mean, 80 cards, maybe not as big of a restriction. Yeah, I mean, the two... So, so far, just to kind of set the stage for Companions, the big ones are, I believe, in the one weekend it was legal, Luris uh, posted top eights in every format uh, of Magic, every competitive format. <laughs> Yarion has posted top eights in at least Modern, maybe Pioneer. We have seen uh, in Dude. Standard... Uh, Garuda has only goes in one deck, really, the Legacy. like combo deck, but Legacy, it also top aided in standard. Uh, so Garuda has shown up everywhere. And then we've seen some French one as well, like Humans in Modern top aided just free rolling Jengatha, the five color yeah, roll yeah. one, just because yeah. they can. Uh, so I think someone posted on Twitter eight of the ten got top eights this weekend in some format, which is it's pretty Umori, insane. Yeah. It's Umari that played. isn't, right? Like, that's one of the ones, the green-black one. Yeah. I, th- I think Lutri, I think, only had a vintage finish. In, <laughs> yeah. Only a vintage finish. And, uh, <laughs> I think the Cat one has not had any finishes. I think that was the other one, along with the Golgari one, like uh, Kethria or whatever. Oh, I don't K- think oh, that Kihira, got a finish but, anywhere. But Kahira's the one that you're seeing that's randomly getting played out of, like, a control deck, right? Like I, I yeah, just yeah. if you have no creatures, you automatically can just play this. Yeah, you just here you go. I mean, is the see the Kahira move? I do wonder is that even like that great, right? Like out of a control deck, because the cost of a sideboard slot is interesting, but uh, all, okay, all wait, the wait. other ones. Are, so is this a problem, guys, or is this a successful set release? Like, look, we made a mechanic and people are using it. I and like if it. We say eight of ten companions are being used, right? That's like a good spread, right? It's not like everyone's using a single companion, right? So, is it a problem that everyone has companions in their decks now? Like, <laughs> I, so, mean, I, I don't know. Like, at first, <laughs> it sounds weird, but you're like, I don't know. Like, eight, eight of ten are being used. It's the new set. Like, what did you expect? Like, may, maybe it's okay. That's that's a good thing, right? I mean, I I think I'm in the minority, but I actually really like the companions. Like, I've been going around on the internet, and like, all I read are just really negative like things about it. And I mean, I I understand. Like, yes, that eighth card is proving to be quite amazing like always having garuda means that like all i have to do is just load my deck up with ramp like so much ramp and then i get right to garuda uh and then but but like the i don't know i i think the mechanic itself is a lot of fun uh i mean maybe i won't feel that if like i get <laughs> like comboed out enough times but like the the thing here is it is weird that 
Watsy just straight up gives it. They're almost like all combo pieces that you start with in your hand. It it kind of it kind of does remind me of like we talked about a little bit of of Hearthstone earlier, and and like how like example back when they released quests, like every like they had to like ban the rogue quest like or errata like and nerf the rogue quest like five times and it was still broken. I could still see that being a thing that happens with something like that, uh, like where they ban a ton of companions and like even the remaining ones are still too broken. So like. Some people are just saying that all of them should go, like the whole like mechanic yeah. as companions. I feel if if I, like you can't just take one, right? So from people I've heard talk about, they're saying like if you play against a companion deck without your own companion, you are severely disadvantaged. Uh, so you need a companion of your own, which is cool if there's multiple companions. But if they start banning them, either all decks converge on the same companion, and then you have no diverse metagame. Uh, so I think if you hit any of them, you gotta hit like all of them, so that like all the decks have a level a level playing field again. Like imagine they take like an aggro companion out, then what? <laughs> right? Like everyone just plays the mid range one, or you get screwed. Right? Like so. Uh, I don't know how you handle this. You you can't errata these cards, right? Yeah. What do you do? Like it's it's interesting. I I I like it. I for one enjoy it though. I I think it uh definitely adds a whole. Like, okay, some of them have not really that crazy of a deck building, like, you know, restriction. Like, I mean, just, yeah, as we had mentioned, Kahira is just a 3-2, but <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I guess is it, I, I look at it the same as, like, a one-off commander, right? Like, hey, I have so, a standard commander. So, so, okay. So, I will say, starting off with some positive stuff, I have had fun playing with uh, Panions the last few days. Like, I, I have enjoyed that experience so far. I do think I will absolutely hate every one of these cards a few months from now because they're, they only get better as more cards are printed. They are dominating literally every format in Magic and they're not going to go away. So what is cute right now? Like, oh, I get my standard commander three months from now or six months from now when you're still facing that and you cannot play a deck without a companion or else you just lose. I think that people are going to end up hating it. I think my biggest problem is. I don't know what Wizards were thinking trying this. Like, we have, we saw what happened in Hearthstone. It was a disaster when Hearthstone tried a similar mechanic. Uh, and Wizards went way further than Hearthstone did and printed way more of them, uh, with way easier restrictions. I, I don't know. Like, how, what was Wizards thinking with cards like Yura, uh, with Luris and, uh, in Yarion? Like, ones with pretty light restrictions that are really powerful that are just like, uh, taking over formats. What do you, like, how did this escape the design process? Do you think there was a, a, a mistaken calculation when they were making these cards to even let them exist at all? I mean, did they not build decks and try them? Like, it sounds like something we talked about on the podcast. <laughs> like, you know, it looks strong, but maybe the deck building restriction is too much. Like one weekend of Magic players going at it and we have like so many viable decks that the restriction is not really relevant, right? Like, did they not just try making the decks and playing well, them? Like, I, I it's mean, very possible, right? I mean, remember, this is Wizards who only used Oko to turn their own food tokens into 3-3s. <laughs> so it's very possible that they like printed these cards and like just played them in some really suboptimal way and we're like oh yeah that's fine like that that we have a recent track record of wizards design doing exactly that and having broken cards as a result so yeah i don't know i i i feel like if it was just standard it's one thing but being 
broken across like every single format in magic tells me something i i remember a mechanic that did that too and it was called delve and phyrexian <laughs> mana and look where those went right like for you to just show up and like appear in every single magic format is a very very strong mechanic so i don't know how they missed it or whether they knew it was coming and they're like okay cool right but i don't know i don't know about uh, especially the older formats where they're they're kind of claim to fame as diversity if all your decks must converge around companions it really really hurts those older formats whereas you know in standard if we play companion fest for you know a year or two it's like not the end of the world but the older formats i i'm more concerned about i actually very much agree with that i think if it was just in standard then whatever like worst case everyone's got to play companion for the next uh, 16 months however long until the rotation after the september one and that would be fine and it might even be fun for a while sure we might get sick of it after some amount of time but i'm sick of nissa and i'm sick of fairy so that, that happens every <laughs> set when there's a really powerful card so i think that would be fine but i do think it is a concern like normally it takes a while for new cards to really dominate formats like vintage legacy even modern it's pretty rare but that's kind of what's happening just like immediately so if they're this broken literally on release weekend can you imagine how worse how much worse it'll be once people actually figure out like the optimal way to use these cards because this is a really unique mechanic that we haven't really seen before so in theory people are probably playing pretty suboptimal builds of their companion decks and they're crushing the field in formats like vintage and legacy can you imagine once someone figures out the optimal deck and i think that's my biggest concern as you said for older formats if it gets to the point where you just have to have a companion to be competitive i feel like that greatly reduces diversity rather than increases diversity it's not like oh, okay like we have these new companion decks added in with all the other decks if they are as good as the initial results suggest they could be in some formats then you have the the opposite happening where you just have to play a companion deck have to play with this restriction and then all of a sudden a huge chunk of cards that were playable aren't playable anymore because having eight cards in hand is more important than playing those cards so that's my long-term worry, not for standard because standard will rotate and it'll probably be fun for a while, but for older formats, maybe things will adjust, but I'm definitely very scared because I can't think of another mechanic that has been this dominant this immediately in older formats. I So let me question you guys on whether this is fun or not. So one of the primary things of magic is the randomness, right? Every game is different, right? You you have a random hand, you might get mana screwed, that's a feature of the game. We banned once upon a time because it made your deck too consistent, right? You could always and play free. that turn one mana dork. <laughs> Yeah, you know what else is free? A companion that also is always in your hand and comes down as early as turn three consistently. Does that make all the games kind of uniform? Like, do you always curve out the same way such that the games play out the same and it's no longer interesting? We don't have that, you know, oh, I need to draw my answer, but I only have four in my deck or that, that kind of RG aspect. Like, what do you guys think about the actual... Uh, play pattern of companions as opposed to kind of their power level i mean the fact that that people will always have the the threat like garuda or Luris and all that like it is very powerful and it kind of just is the same 
pattern. Right? Like, I mean, like every time I played a Garuda deck, you can probably figure out what's going to happen here. There, let's get to six and then probably go off, right? But, but I do like what it's kind of done for standard in that I guess it was like a monkey paw situation. I'm not seeing as many Nissa decks, <laughs> so <laughs> I guess oh, I'm boy. pretty happy about it. Like I'm like, oh, not Nissa, whatever. <laughs> All right, cool. Uh, but but I do wonder. There's a world where once War of the Spark leaves, then this becomes a very interesting situation, right? Do you guys remember Field of the Dead? Yeah, oh, yeah. No, that Field felt- of the Dead. They're like, here's Oko. <laughs> How about Oko? <laughs> How about that oh. format? What about right now? The idea of thinking that that was the format. There was Field of the Dead. There was Oko. There's Uro. There's Companions. All of that if none of them were banned. And all, like whatever. Like all of that was just together right now. How crazy would that be? This also makes me a little concerned about what the Teferis from the core set are going to be like. Like if they <laughs> if they have to top the Companions in terms of brokenness <laughs> to keep. And that's the like other concern with all this is don't we just have like power creep spiraling out of control? And how does... How does that end from a more meta perspective? Like, can spell can companions? Just keep, like, a, but I mean, can like, every set just be more broken than the last one for infinity? Like, where where does where does that leave us after a couple of years? If every set literally, has literally literally Yu Gi Oh, literally Yu Gi Oh and Hearthstone. <laughs> no, seriously, like every set got more broken, right? Like they got more ridiculous. And like, funny thing is, I started, you know, like okay, well, you know, with us, you know, being at home, like okay, I'll. I'll take a peek. What's Hearthstone like right now, right? Just just because we always talk about it, right? And I played it again, and and I'm just like, oh wow, this new class is really broken. Like, and I thought this is just like, I dude, I what I thought used to be the worst is like laughable now, right? Like, it's like, <laughs> and I think this is gonna be a little bit of the same thing along the way. I mean, maybe not with companions, because I I don't know yet. I still don't think. It, most of them are that bad yet, right? I mean, I, 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 I've had to dig a little deeper. I mean, if we're that worried, Droneth Magistrate is a card that you could look into, cause this way they don't get that companion zone thing or cast from the graveyard. However, that doesn't stop like the versions that are in their deck. But, you know, like I've been playing Hushbringer and Hushbringer's hilariously good against Garuda. Like, I just like, just they will concede like it's just i play it on turn two you see the explosion of the avatar and that's it i will say i actually think the garuda decks are bad like i mean they're not bad they're not they're not bad they're not bad right now but i think they're very easy to defeat like i feel like the garuda decks i've just played like demir flash and you like can't lose like (laughs) there's no way you can lose to it or you play like you said hushbringer you can play graph digger's cage and you just play that on turn one and garuda just like scoops so i feel like i feel like the garuda deck while it is effective right now because people don't know how to play against it i feel like that's actually one of the one of the companions that i'm least worried about in standard like it'll probably always float around to be annoying if people stop paying attention to it it can like spike an event but i feel like there are answers for it I'm more worried about, like, the... I think, like, overall, Luris uh, is probably the the one that's having the biggest impact. I've seen some really good players asking if it's literally the best magic card that has ever been printed. Like, even including Power Nine and Black Lotus is, like, is Luris actually the best magic card that has ever been printed? And the fact that you're even asking that question says a lot. <laughs> yeah, because I, I think it it is a really close shot because it's always in your hand, right? Like... Say Black Lotus is the most powerful card in your deck. What percentage of the time do you have it in your hand at the beginning of a game? Lurus is always there, right? So that makes a big difference. And for all these answers, like you could play, 
uh, Dreaded Magistrate, but that costs you a card. It does. Right? It that does. your opponent didn't do anything. Like, Hogak is fine, guys. Just play four Rest of Peace of Four Ley Lines main deck. It's, it's <laughs> Easy. Cool. Kill the bat, Right? And then <laughs> when you're playing Demir Flash and your opponent has a Lurus, and then you're like, oh, wait a minute. That's not Garuda. <laughs> right? And then you lose. Right? That so is you need true. to bring your own companion. And, and then it's companion wars. Right? So maybe I, I don't know. I feel. I, I feel uneasy about this situation that the free card is very hard to counter. Like, you, there's no counterplay to it, right? You just have to waste resources or you're behind. Yeah, you do have to waste resources, but we're at a point in the meta where, like, Phoenix, Loris, and all that stuff, like, Leyline in the Void is something that I I actually just for fun put in a four of in the main deck. <laughs> but that doesn't even stop and, Garuda. Why did it, it doesn't stop like Garuda? It, does. it doesn't even stop Garuda. Why yeah. did it they... stops Garuda because it breaks Moto. Yeah. Right? Oh, I yeah, guess yeah, that yeah. is true. <laughs> but like Garuda now is starting to like fall out of flavor, sorta. Right? And I mean, like, that's why I think something with black and white right now is just so clutch. Like it, like that's why I've been doing like Mardu control for fun, and like I mean, like it. <laughs> I I did eventually move the ley lines to the sideboard, but but like the thing, because like the, I still got paired against mono red. <laughs> like, like this is very bad. Mono red, keeping crim on. Yeah, mono red. Twenty twenty. <laughs> I, yeah, I will say that if you play a companion deck and your opponent doesn't play a companion deck and then they mulligan to six, you're just like, oh, okay, th- this is over. There's like <laughs> no way, no way your six card hand is beating my eight card hand. Like, I don't care what the matchup is. I don't care what you're doing. Like, it's just, it's game. It's just over. And I, ah, I think people underestimated how big just having an extra card in your hand is. Uh, that's something I tried to talk about like earlier based on like mulligan math and stuff. But I think that like in general, people just underestimated how powerful that is as a free resource. And I guess my biggest hope is that somehow things adjust and everyone's just like trying out cool new things and then things go back to normal. But my guess is this is just like the start of companion dominance. And like I said before, like the decks aren't as tuned as they will be. And we'll see all the formats of magic uh, coalesce more and more around it needing to be a companion deck to have any chance of actually being competitive. So what are the odds that there's a card banned before it's available in paper? <laughs> Given that this is not actually out yet, we're all just playing digitally, is it possible we see a companion banned before like products even hit the shelves? No, no. They're going to wait until after it's released, I think, right? Because... They want it to still I, sell, I right? I, <laughs> but I don't see paper magic resuming anytime soon, right? Like, true. You're not gonna have like a like a grand prix or a magic fest like in physical uh, paper world anytime soon. So like, it's just all gonna be on digital results, right? So like, you can't even wait for the first mythic championship or something. Like, when are they gonna pull the trigger? I still I, think- I vote after after it, it hits paper, maybe. And like we're ta- I, and I think that would be still down the line. I think maybe by the time the like core twenty twenty one comes out, then we'll we'll see maybe maybe something go. I honestly think that I would be surprised, let's say, if any of the companions get banned in standard. I think that we'll have companion I, I wars. Can see that. I think we'll have companion wars, and I think that it'll go on for whatever, 13 months or 15 months until the rotation happens, and that's fine. I do think that some of the companions will be banned, and possibly pretty quickly in older formats. Like, they banned Underworld Breach in Legacy really quickly, and 
there's a decent chance that Luris is Underworld Breach on steroids in Legacy. So I wouldn't be surprised if Luris was banned in a format like Legacy uh, before the set even releases in paper. You, you know what's funny? The legendary clause is like an upside because you can crack us, you Luris. Like, <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> maybe they should have tested this in older formats. What, I, what I do, do worry about that card in older formats. I mean, somebody just kept reoccurring Soul Guide Lantern. I was like, what is going on here? <laughs> like, and I, like, I had no graveyard. <laughs> but, what, but like, the older formats, that just, Luris has to be insane. What do you think about, some people said, well, d- should they just ban Lion's Eye Diamond? No. To, because, I mean, because Lion's <laughs> Eye Diamond's bad absurd. brainstorm but, while you're at it, right? That's, that's, that's like a pillar of the format. <laughs> <laughs> that was my reaction. Like, I don't want to see them ban a card that's been a core of the format for, like, years to make a mechanic that might be a little bit silly and, you know, debatable whether it should exist in the first place to work in a format like Legacy. And even if they did, you're probably going to have to end up dealing with these cards anyway. I don't think, like, banning Lion's Eye Diamond means Lurus is bad, <laughs> for example. <sighs> yeah. Hmm. I don't know. Well... Yeah. No way. <laughs> Lion's Eye Diamond is a staple of the format, and... They they would take out the new card rather than take out the old card if, if they have the option, right? On the other hand, has has uh before we move on and answer fish mail, have any of you seen mutate do anything? We've been talking about the busted mechanic. Like, what is your experience with mutate? Uh, just quickly before fish mail, what is your experience with mutate, Ben? I feel like personally, I have not seen Vadrock, Snapdax, any any really of the mythic mutators show up in any of the standard decks I've been playing. I've seen a couple of, like, Dirge Bats out of Flash decks, but really, I, I think Mutate, for me, has mostly been completely just unplayed in the, again, the decks that I've played against. Uh, have either of you seen Mutate doing anything or doing anything cool? Uh, <laughs> I've been trying to, like, I, I was it Nethroid, the Abzan one? <laughs> I put that in my Abzan humans deck, and then I remembered that Mutate doesn't work with humans. I was like, oh, <laughs> this is a very awkward ranked match where I have these Nethroids and I have two targets. <laughs> uh, but, like, I think I think it's mostly just going to be Dirgebat and like Dirgebat, uh, the little curious obsession squ- like Squid or Octopus. Oh yeah, I've seen Squid. Like I've seen yeah. a lot of the Squid. Like the the mechanic is really cool, and I like that you don't get punished for trying to play it. Like it doesn't fall off like an aura, right? So the interactions where I did have mutate and like you know like because I tried tons of different cards, I thought it was actually really cool. Uh, way more like very balanced. Uh, and still amazing in a way that, like, example, if, if you, like, blink a pile of cards, they all come back separately. Like, Luminous Broodmoth would bring a, a mutated pile back all with flying counters on it, right? And I, I think that, I thought that was really fun. Whether or not any of them are better than, like, what we have now, like, in, like, you know, the, the, the companion stuff, that remains to be seen. It's still pretty early in the format, so I'm not writing it off yet. And But yeah, like it's only just Dirgebat and the Octopus, I think. Yeah, it's, it's pretty early in the format. I think most people just took their existing deck and threw a companion in it and called it a day. Right. Uh, we're going to have to wait <laughs> like a bit longer for people to acquire the cards and to brew with it. But I mean, I, I oh, don't know. Aluna. I, mean, I don't think you're going to have a mutate deck, but I think oh, you yeah. will see just random mutate cards like... We have random food cards and random adventure cards. I guess we had adventure decks. But, like, you just see them as, like, kind of value cards and random archetypes as opposed to, I'm going to build the biggest mutate pile you've ever seen because I, I don't think that would be a viable archetype. Yeah. I, I've, I've seen, like, I guess the most popular mutate I've seen might actually be 
a Luna too. Because really? it's, a, it, I have it's an elemental. A, oh, in the elemental deck. Okay, so that I actually haven't played against elementals as much as other people, but that does make some amount of sense that it could be good there. Yeah, and like, I, I and and gem and, razor. Actually, you know what? There have been like there's I have no, no idea what deck. any of these cards are called. <laughs> I, oh. Because I've been playing with the Godzilla version and the real version. Yeah. Like, I have no idea what any of these cards are. That I feel card like card is a I've sleeper, seen... by the way. What card? Uh the gigantic cycling Godzilla. Oh. I think that card Tight, like Titanus Rex? Uh your your void. like Yorida or like something like that. The it, it's you cycle it four times and you get an eight eight trample hazel. Oh the red one, yeah. The, yeah. the turtle. Yeah. Okay, yes. I've been playing that out of a Phoenix deck and it's really sweet. It is it is sometimes occasionally frightening. I haven't played with it yet, but I did play against someone that apparently just had I kept cycling into them and did it on like turn four or something. <laughs> They're just like cycle, cycle, cycle. I'm like, come, come on the odds. I'm gonna pull out my hyper geometric calculator. That cannot actually so that's just crunching numbers as he's getting hit by an eight eight. Yeah, and dying, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh I will oh before we move on, one other card I gotta shout out. Winota, I think, is as busted as, as it seemed during the preview stream. I've seen, I've been playing with it and it's insane. And I've seen other people like playing with it and posting videos with it. Have any of you ran into the Winota deck, like putting Age of Treacheries into play and whatnot, Charming Princes and so forth? Yes. And I myself have also played it. I think it's, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's just right. Cause it's right now, but it, it does, it, it feels really strong because it is still fairly new, right? But it is pretty gimmicky, right? Like it I, is, I, I mean, is it any more gimmicky than Garuda? <laughs> uh, Garuda is no, like it, the ultimate gimmick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's what I mean. Like because of how gimmicky Garuda is, if it, it 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 can never take off. Like I think it can't be that crazy, right? Like I mean, at some point you'll like people will just keep the eyes on Winota, right? Like I've learned. Okay, you're playing a war boss in the main deck. I know what's going on here, right? Like, and so like if you're playing a control deck. Uh, like you just hold up the removal. Like I would, I would just die to a war boss, right? Like <laughs> until yeah. I draw a board wipe. I think one card I've been using, and you're gonna love this, Krim, because because uh, it's you. But uh, Tef- I think Teferi's actually really good in that deck. I've found Teferi oh, yeah. to be really good Winota protection. So yeah. to Tef- like raise the alarm into Teferi into Winota, even just that uh, gets you in that one attack with Winota in probably wins you the game with getting multiple like age of treacheries on turn four or whatever it's true like it is really really solid like i got locked out um when i well i wasn't play. i was playing the phoenix deck and i got locked out behind like they played teferi and i was like huh well i actually (laughs) i actually beat garuda with it which i was playing i was working on a budget deck so it was straight boros so i didn't have any way to interact with garuda but i managed to steal so many lands they never got to they never (laughs) got to six mana i just kept stealing lands and stealing lands and they could never actually cast garuda so that was that was my winona highlight i think (laughs) that that did happen to me a lot when i was playing garuda i was like oh it's simple. We'll just get, we'll just ramp to six. No, just kidding. I guess we'll never hit our sixth <laughs> man. <laughs> it was pretty upsetting. <laughs> oh, and, and one other card that has surprisingly made its rounds and deserves the kind of like a little bit of praise, I think is extinction event. That sweeper, the, the three and a black choose odd or even exile each creature with convert mana costs. Like, dude, that card has been really sweet i mean if everyone's playing garuda yeah <laughs> it's, it seems decent garuda i mean even like for the most part like the problematic cards out of Luris, right yeah no that is 
That is true. You can actually... Yeah, maybe it's better than I gave it credit for. And it's definitely better since people are actually playing the odds. And even... They've played both of them, really. The the Rakdos one has shown up in some decks that have actually posted results, too. The the one that makes you play all odd converted mana cost stuff. So maybe that is a better card than I gave it credit for. Yeah. Like, and it's it's been pretty solid. So, I mean, I've... Like, the one cost of one black instead of, like, a double black, like, sweeper has been really clutch. All right, so any other standard thoughts before we answer some of our million fish mail questions this week? All right, Richard, All right. fish mail yes. us. If you have questions, send them to at MDGGoldfish on Twitter with the hashtag MDGFishMail, and we'll get to your questions on air. Lord of the Meese, what do you think of Bonder's Ornament in mono-white decks that are extremely pinched for card draw? Uh, I really... Uh, it's I, a three-mana mana rock, any color, and then you can pay four, tap it. Each player who controls a permanent with Bonder's uh, ornament, draws a card. So I think it is an unplayable mana rock if you are a deck that has enough card advantage. But in mono white in specific, I actually think this is one of the best three mana mana rocks you can play for exactly that reason. So I I plan on playing this as one of my mana rocks in basically any mono white commander deck I play. I really like it there a lot. I I think it's something that I would play in any of my decks just because i think can it really hurt to have <laughs> Wait, something Krim, that draws you, you play mana rocks crim when yeah, i do <laughs> i do i do there, there's so many better mana rocks though right like, but they don't draw me a card <laughs> i mean effectively you're gonna use five mana to draw a card is that worth it i mean especially we, like white decks if you're really desperate but non-white decks that seems like a very bad deal is it i don't know i'm, I'm kind of a fan of it like you just get to like at any point, like I can then activate it, right? Like I don't have to do anything with it, and it do- it's it makes it so I don't feel terrible about drawing a mana rock later. That is that is true. I mean, maybe it's but better like command sphere, but that's that's right? a or... that's like a one time thing, right? Yeah, I'm, are you gonna really activate this like two or three times? I <laughs> like, y- yes, that's the goal. <laughs> I. Well, I have played, remember the one that was like pay for to, I think it was it make a clue. There was one that was essentially like pay for. And then I definitely played that one at one point. And this feels like a a strict upgrade over that. So maybe, maybe Crim's right. And I would play it more often than I think. I do like drawing cards. I do think it's like you of all people, Seth, I feel like you, this is just a new, like the, (laughs) you would replace Soul Ring (laughs) for this just because it draws a card. But I also play a lot of five white, color I can decks. See. <laughs> Random color decks. I don't know about that. <laughs> like I'd rather just play a worn power stone like nine out of ten games. <laughs> uh next question. Uh Juzams the Plowshares. My Slivers EDH deck runs all fetches and original duels. I'd like to make the mana base cheaper. Will using all of the common comes into play tap dual lands with some cheaper duels slow it down too much for casual play? If it's for casual play? I think it's, it's, I don't know. I think Sliver still might, like, we're, we're like literally taking the common lands, but having the still, like, the core creature shell of everything going on, right? If that's the case, Slivers, I think, would still be, might be a little, little powerful for casual. I don't know how casual we're talking, but mana base wise, I guess it, it wouldn't be too slow. I might try to go for a more, like, mid uh downgrade where in maybe you take out like the original duels for shock lands or like the battle for zendikar fetchable dual lands or something 
I mean, you can get by with all tap duels, but I feel like my worry is you're going to get mana screwed more than be too slow, just because the tap duels only add two colors, when a fetch land for a dual land can kind of get, like, four colors or whatever. So I'm a little worried about, like, getting mana screwed too often. Not so much the slowness. I think the slowness would be okay for casual play. Yeah. But I guess you can test it out and see. Like, uh, test it out and see if you're getting mana screwed constantly. Uh, But five-color decks are, in my opinion, some of the decks are being able to like fetch out some sort of dual land are most is most valuable i think they're always the most expensive mana base because you have to play all the colors so nice luckily the trilands the trilands are still like relatively cheap right i, I don't i mean yeah not i mean compared to original dual lands for sure yeah. but they're like around Shockland prices give or take yeah so so perfect right those are fetchable uh like you know lands all right next up we have urza's takuria with jund <laughs> being decent and modern will richard's dream finally be realized <laughs> You know what the big secret is? When Jund is good, I don't play Jund. <laughs> I only play Jund when like no one's expecting it because I hate playing Jund mirrors. When Jund is good, I play red and six. <laughs> I play red and six, red, green. <laughs> is is there a companion you can shoehorn into your Jund deck somehow, Richard? What companion is most Jundable? Luris. Luris, right? Yeah. But you got to give up Lilies. I mean, I think people are willing to give up the So I've thought about it, like, okay, what if you put Lures in the sideboard, okay? And then in games two and three, where you don't need Lily, you side them out and put Lures as your companion. But I'm like, it's just way too many sideboard slots. But like against aggro or something, or in a grindy match, having Lures would be great. I would totally sack a Lily. But literally all the unfair decks in modern, like, you need Lilies. Like, you cannot play without lilies so i don't know how you do it uh next up wajowza blue red x delver is 200 2453 dollars if you take out volcanics force of wills fetches and wastelands it's 211 dollars do you think watsi will power creep fetches and duels if they did with a few other non-reserveless reprints most could afford legacy <laughs> i don't think so no i think those are some of the uh, force will maybe i could see an argument for but it's hard for me to imagine original dual lands and fetch lands will ever be topped in magic <laughs> I, I i won't say anything anymore because like i also said that there would never be try lands <laughs> <laughs> I, I think i try i think a try fetch is totally plausible yeah at this point i don't know i, I think an actual so a real dual land, I think, is possible, but less likely because of the backlash you would receive. But I think at some point, Wizards will just be like, you know, when when we're on to our three mana six six hex proofs, right? Like we need lands to match with that. So <laughs> I think we will power creep lands at some point, and we we, we started to see a bit with the, the triomes, yeah. But like maybe legendary duels, like. But I don't think the fact that their original duels will remain untouchable. I think eventually you'll you'll see them topped at one point or the other. Yeah, after seeing but the Trilands, I I was just like, okay, it's it, I, everything I knew is just getting thrown out the windows. Like, like seriously, a Triland, even if it's tapped with cycling, like it it is actually just a tricycle land, right? Like it, like it is. And I, I, after I saw that, I was like, okay, well, you know what, anything's possible. All right, define wisdom. I've been out of magic for a year, getting back with Ikoria. I leave for five minutes, and there's a new format. A new OP Planeswalker and more. Can I have a five-second crash course on what I've missed? <laughs> uh, oh, elks, <laughs> elks, Planeswalker passives, 
New zones. Lots of new zones. <laughs> I mean, yeah, really. War of the Spark, Broken Planeswalkers. Uh, then Throne of Alderaan was the Oko set, the most broken of the Planeswalkers, maybe in Magic's history. <laughs> and, and now we've moved on to two companions in our new. So that's that's kind of the short history of 2019. Like broken cards. Uh, 2019 never cards. ended, Seth. 2019 yes, never still, ended. It's still going. <laughs> 2019 going hard into 2020. <laughs> Also Pioneer. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> like, I love that at the end of that dot, dot, dot. Oh, and Pioneer happened. <laughs> John Hardy. After Commander 2020 previews, I'm seeing more concern regarding power creep in EDH. Do you think power creep is a real risk? How do we preserve a fun experience for pods or Commander Clash? Uh, I, I, I think a lot of people said that they need to, like, some people don't like that they design cards for EDH. And, and like, they just, that like, that, that kind of oddly hurts the format. I don't know if I agree with that, but I, I do think that it is, th- there have been a decent amount of new cards that are powerful, like the commander cycle, like, of the free spells. I think those have been really, those are just really good. So, there definitely is. I think is. that's, I think that's my concern, too. It's not so much power creep as much as I, I really dislike cards that are designed specifically for commander, like, uh, arcane signet. You could say the free spell cycle, maybe. So I think I would prefer a commander format that you can make supplemental products for. You can make commander decks with new cards, but try to avoid designing cards specifically for the format and let it grow organically because i think my fear with that is down the road in five years or something uh, every commander deck will just be like half cards printed in commander deck specifically for the commander format and that kind of takes away from the uh, i don't know the fun like anything goes this is a format to express yourself and play anything you want to i feel like making cards specifically for the format takes away from the spirit of EDH, even though I'm not, like, r- super concerned about the power level in specific, because the format's so big and it's multiplayer, so it's one of the easier formats to be self-correcting compared to other formats, uh, but I do think it takes away from the spirit of the EDH format for me. Yeah, I feel we've already lost the spirit. I feel with all these cards being printed, the biggest appeal of Commander to me is that you can take a pile of, like, quote-unquote garbage put it together into a deck and have a fun experience uh, with all the new cards that keep printing uh basically all of your unplayable cards are super unplayable now right like if they don't say each opponent if they don't uh you know scale with multiple players like they're not as useful and you're just bringing like a limited deck to a constructed party right so i feel the best part of commander was that you could play with cards from your collection it's like playing legacy like casually right but everyone brings like a competitive legacy deck where you just really want to play with like cards from high school you're gonna get destroyed uh so i actually like when wizards did not touch the format and players kind of organically built up the the metagame now like every new commander product you have all these new mechanics and commanders and cards being shoehorned to the format so it, it shifts it a lot faster than you know what we had which was a slow build over many 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 years i'm see i'm i i'm uh, maybe i'm just in the weird camp here but i enjoy (laughs) i think that the idea of like these sweet cards like the the free cycle is pretty good i i I think it's, it's gonna be a lot of fun it doesn't i like that they've now built cards that you know make it so i don't get punished for casting my commander right like it's actually incentive to cast it 
and more things affect the table. I, I don't know. it Because I always looked at it like a board game, so it really does feel more like a board game, right? Like if I'm playing Exploding Kittens or something like that, or, or you know what, Kittens in a Blender, I forgot whichever one it was, and people can like out of nowhere, all right, well, I'm going to blend all these cats. Well, nope, I have the pause button. So like, you know, like I... I <laughs> you, you play counterspells <laughs> and Exploding yeah, Kittens? Yeah, dude. Like you haven't traded... Dude. <laughs> okay, maybe that... Never mind. There is a trend. I play by Teferi. This is Exploding Kittens. <laughs> That's the most cringe Sorry. thing I've ever no heard. Instant. I guess you're right. Hold on. <laughs> Uh, but I, I do agree with you. It is cool to have new cards, but I liked it when we had like 70 or 100 new cards a year as opposed to like, I don't know what we're getting, like three, 400. Well, that's, like every that's, set that's now has commander cards, brawl decks, commander 2020 with, you know, commander decks with every set. Like it's just yeah. too many cards. Well, that that's we're, we're going to see, right? This, what is it? When Magic Legends or Commander Legends comes out, that's going to be the first full set right not not a few decks here and there with like you know like maybe like 60 new cards this is going to be a full on like what like 200 some cards with a hundred like new commanders i i mean hey at least i know that with the way companions and all that stuff is happening in standard i have a strong feeling that these legends are going to be sweet in power remember what modern horizons did to modern (laughs) yes 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 but really modern horizons was cool outside of hogak like I actually thought the set was really good. I still like, I still also like Modern Horizons outside of Hogak and also there's a, there's a couple other cards like Urza is another one that oh, yeah. was probably a little bit, a little bit better than they could have made it. But I still, I think 95% of Modern Horizons was a positive for Modern, but the yeah. 5% the did 5% do a were lot very, of damage. Yeah. But the 5% sold all the packs. <laughs> <laughs> I, I wouldn't say Hogak sold the packs. I mean, like no, like it wasn't even expensive, right? If anything, Hogak made me not want to buy packs. I, yeah. I every once in a while, I find like a Modern Horizons pack at Walmart or something, and I just like grab it for fun. And I feel like my odds of opening Hogak are way higher than any other rare in the set. I've got like three of them now, just from random like five pack rackings or something. <laughs> Alright, the Fairy MTG. Is Mutate the most complex mechanic we've seen since banding? It it does mess with layers and stuff like that. And <laughs> I mean, like, putting cards on the bottom of the card or the top of the card. Like, let me tell you something. There were a lot of, let's just go with, a, to put it nicely, pilot errors uh, <laughs> during my early access stream. <laughs> I was putting, like, I was putting the wrong stats on top, on the bottom. I had no idea, like, when this was gonna, I thought, like, like, I still mess up. You, like, at the beginning of the podcast, I talked about it. I'm like, oh, dude, how good is Nethroy? You get up to 10 power from the graveyard? Let's throw it in this human's deck. <laughs> what, like, I don't know. There's, there, it is, it is interesting when you think of, like, layers. It is definitely complicated, although, was phasing before or after banding? Phasing is also, I think. I think that was bef- I, before. I think phasing and banding are way simpler than mutate. Because yeah. mutate has so many edge cases. And mutate is hard to just read the board state. Like, if you have a mutate pile, even on Arena, it's hard to understand what it does. Because you need to, like, scroll down. It doesn't the show the full card in the same. either. Exactly. Like, if you have, like, a keyword counter it shows up in blue at the top so it has flying but if it has like first strike on the card it's in black at the bottom so like you miss out on keywords who knows what happens when this pile like changes zones gets phased 
blinked, yeah. whatever. Like nobody knows. At least banding. Like I, I basically understand banding, and my spells don't target the entire band and do weird things, right? But this mutate is just a nightmare. This was trial by like you know trial by fire for me. I was like, oh well, I guess now I know that that's how that works, <laughs> and that's how that works. <laughs> like so, it is. It is a very. I think it's way more difficult than banding and phasing. Yeah. Now, just add them all together now. Now yeah, I'm going to get a mutate gonna pile say. that can band and phase out. <laughs> what happens? <laughs> like, I do still think of that commander clash where we all just didn't block Tomer because we didn't know how banding worked. I, really, <laughs> I forgot who had it. We're like, uh, how does banding work? Uh, you know what? That's that's too confusing. I won't block. <laughs> all right. Last question. Bicycle. How do you enjoy the art and flavor of Ikoria? Which are your favorites? I feel the cool monsters were promised are missing with only Godzilla art delivering the behemoth feel. And unfortunately, I dislike having other Hasbro branded content in MTG. How do I feel about the monsters as a whole? Like all the kaijus? The themes. That, like, like, yeah. Does it feel like a big monster set to you? And uh, oddly, it it kind of it's gotten very kaiju like, right? I mean, like I've enjoyed mutate and like seeing these monsters, right? I mean, we we've definitely seen the set make a splash. Uh, I like the humans versus monsters thing, except for like I don't know how the humans keep up with any of these monsters. Uh, and then uh, you, you sacrifice two humans. Oh yes, yes, <laughs> <it's>, kill. <laughs> yes, I'm sure that like the the only human just like the movies. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The only human that I've seen actually like dunk on these monsters is well Winota because it steals the monsters. Well, it doesn't, but like you know, Agent of Treachery does. Uh, so I'm gonna say I've been playing a lot on Arena, and it feels not monstery at all. Like what? the animations, the animations have not been that impressive. Like have there are no Godzilla animations. Uh, it's not like Galta or Carnage Tyrant or things. I don't know. I feel the animations are like really lacking, and they don't like feel like big monsters to me. I feel like the Arena team cut back on animation budget or something this time around. I, I thought the animations have been amazing, like casting Kudro, all of them, like, like they're, I mean, okay, Kudro's not a monster, but, uh, like, the thing here is, like, a lot of the cards I've casted have been pretty cool, or, like, uh, Vadrock, like, I, I thought it was sweet. The, the one thing I thought that might have been a miss was that ultimatums don't have a cooler artwork, or, like, animation. I still remember playing Hearthstone, and whatever that dinosaur is, is, like, so cool. <laughs> King Crush. Oh, you hear the footsteps and the screen shakes? Yes, I'm yeah. like, that felt like a monster to me. Like, I don't know why we're not getting any of this for Arena. I, I feel like the storybook cards really nailed that. I feel like the, the art for the monsters in the main set are, like, they're fine, but I feel like the, the comic book... Those look very monstrous to me. Yeah, yeah. but that's because it has like that, you know, monster movie kind of poster vibe, right? Like, yeah. from, like, like, you know, it looks also, that, I, that's why I love it, by the way. Like, I, I do enjoy those comic book arts. For the artwork as like from the main set, it does kind of just feel like, what if Simic like took over like Ixalan? <laughs> <laughs> like, right? Like, like, the art style of all the cards are just, like, of Ixalan and a bunch of mutants, like, merged together. So yeah, it, 
it doesn't feel super unique to me, the main set art. Like, I could see a lot of it being in other sets, if that makes sense. Like, the monsters are, like, Voracious Great Shark. Like, that could be a core set card for... But sharks are... Okay, that, I would say sharks were one of the things that definitely make me know that I was on Ikoria, right? Like, I think I think the shark yeah. part is pretty cool. I think Sharknado is pretty <laughs> synonymous with Ikoria. Yeah, like, I, I don't think... If, if anybody asked me anything about Ikoria, it wouldn't be all the companions. It wouldn't be any of that. It was sharks. <laughs> <laughs> like, even even the flavor text of Voracious Great Shark is like a nod to Jaws. Oh, is that what Voracious? <laughs> yeah, I didn't even Because, like, that. if you remember that scene, we're going to need a bigger boat. There, uh, like, yeah. there is no boat big enough, right? So, like... I, I, oh, hmm. Ooh, I didn't know this. They should have just used the Jaws art you know, the front <laughs> line. <laughs> just make it like a magic thing, but like, you know, just like very Jaws art. <laughs> it's, it's like if they just took the poster, the famous poster of the shark under the yep. water with the swimmer, but turned it sideways. <laughs> so <I> think, yep. <laughs> just, just put little arms on the shark or whatever, yeah. it's fine. <laughs> and then instead of a normal human swimming, it's like a little merfolk or something. <laughs> But I, I do All think right. a miss, by the way, one thing that just one more thing, one slight miss was that Ikoria, the beh- like layer of behemoths doesn't have the beckoner of behemoths. Where's Kiora? You can't spell Ikoria without, well, Kiora. So <laughs> like, I, I think I like, yeah, you got to move some letters around, but like, I don't, I don't know why she's not here. Did she die in the lore or something? Did you, did you want another broken Simic Planeswalker? I guess, hold on, you're right. You're right, you're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. Never mind, I take everything I said back. But I do, in all seriousness, I at this point, why not, right? Green gets all these good cards anyways. Why not just at least flavor-wise put Kiora on here? Yeah. All right, that wraps up our fish meal. Thank you to everyone who sent in questions. You can send them to at mtggoldfish with the hashtag mtgfishmail and we'll get to your questions on air. And I believe that that brings us to the end of episode 273 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So Richard Grimm, thanks for hanging out. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thanks to Spikes Academy for supporting the show. So we'll be back next week to talk about whatever goes down in the world of magic. And until then, this is the crew signing out. Bye.